Hey guys, welcome to Bagman Broadcast, episode number 498. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. Who are a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we're looking forward to coming out November 2nd, 2022. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. Uh, this week, since we're at the end of October, it's time for our October look back. We're going to be talking about some of the comic books that we bought October 2022. Guys, guys, guys. Look, look like a racer head. Like I look like Beekman from uh, Beekman's World. Yeah. yeah, especially with that giant rat behind you. Oh. No, that's a flaming carrot statue. Oh, okay. What are you guys uh, drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking a beer that is now in my top five favorite beers, and that is Big Hoppy from Lawson's Finest Liquid. And this is a black IPA, and this beer is the reason I fell in love with black IPAs. The roasty, the bitter, the hoppiness to it, everything is perfect with this beer. And I cannot say enough about it. I love every minute of it. Uh, I was able to get some into my store after I bought this and uh, have hidden it so people can't buy it. So I will have all of it. Wow. Fancy. It is... It is, I will continue to buy this as long as I can and drink it. Um, and that's not normal for me. Uh, I sell beer and I do a podcast with you guys, so I'm always grabbing new stuff. It's very rare that I have something that I'm just constantly going back to. Um, so, yeah, for me to want actively to be like, no, I want this beer. Yeah, this is going to be one of my, this is one of my favorite beers because I will continue to go back to it. Nice. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a beer I've had multiple times over the past month and a half. Uh, I haven't really talked about it on this show, I don't think. Uh, talked about it over on Parks and Rec, though, because this is coming from <clears throat> Voodoo Brewing. This is their Lacto Cooler. And this is a Berliner Weiss that's themed after everyone's favorite high C from the late 80s, early 90s. Ecto Cooler. Um, this one is a little bit more lime than it is citrus, so it's got more of a tart than that kind of sweet, like, tangerine bite. Um, but I I drink one or two of these every single time that we go to Halloween Horror Nights, so I was happy to find it at my beer store in a four-pack <clears> for 20 bucks versus the eleven twenty-five I'm paying for <laughs> for a can each time I go. Um, but yeah, it's bright green. It looks like Ecto Cooler. Uh... Halloween time's round, rounding down, guys, and I'm starting to get into my Halloween Horror Nights ending malaise, so anything I can do to extend it here at home, I'm going to do. And uh, if it takes buying the beers that I can get there and drinking them at home to keep it alive, so be it. Paul, what you got? Hey, I got a beer uh, that... I believe, Paul, we've had this beer, right? We, I believe we had it when we went to visit Chris. We, we had it, I think, at the brewery. Didn't we? This is Voodoo, buddy. This is oh. our our Pennsylvania boy. Yeah. Oh yeah, then yeah, you and I we had it together check when we Paul, went and picked up the beer. See you, see. Uh, I checked. We neither of us had, but I believe you were so distracted this. by the drag queens. 
that you could No, it, I don't believe we had it at the brewery, um, but I think we had it in one of our many trips that we brought beer back from there. Uh, and I remember liking it. I Maybe it was... Didn't Ryan bring... The one time we had Ryan on, My he bad. brought... He brought a bunch of voodoo beers because he knew we liked them, and he was down that way. Yeah, he brought the the, pan, the um, pork chop sandwich. I remember yeah. that one. And uh, I don't remember if he brought that or not. But, uh, yeah. We, I think we, he did, we, but, we, yeah. Okay, I thought I recognized it, and I'm like, oh, we must have had it when we were down there visiting Chris. Or, you know, because... Um, but what's funny is Chris can get that beer where he is, and we can't get it where we are. <laughs> can't get it. Well, it's funny because... Yeah, you know, Halloween Horror Nights, they get some some good beers actually over there. Uh, if you haven't listened to the episode, uh, check it out, our food and drink reviews. Uh, I talk about all the beers that they have there. But this is the first time I've actually seen it at my beer store, and they just had, like, cases and cases and cases of it available. So I don't know if whoever Universal gets their beers from, like, had an overabundance of it, like, and maybe Total Wine uses the same distributor, and they are just like, uh... You guys aren't going to be selling it anymore after next week? Okay, like, we can we can try to unload it somewhere else. Because it's the same thing. Uh, beers I had last week, one of them was the Elysian Chucky, uh, the Wit, which was also supposed to be a beer that they had at Halloween Horror Nights, but they wound up just getting it within the last week. So I think, same thing. They're just seeing where they can unload it now since Universal's not going to be selling them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I imagine... I, I would imagine 100% that they're, the, dis, the distributor for them brought down X amount. Disney took so Universe, much. Universal. Universal, t- Universal <laughs> took so much and was like, uh, nah. They're like, wow, we got cases. Get them out there. Paul. Well, I am drinking a beer that was uh, kind of sort of recommended to me from our great friend John, who's on the show. Hey, John. Hey, baby. Uh, this is a French Toast Bastard. Which is the uh, vanilla cinnamon maple bourbon barrel aged Scotch ale from Founders Brewery, clocking in at eleven point one percent. Don't forget that point one percent. No, because that's ten percent right there. Uh, it's ten percent of eleven, right? Actually, one point one one would be. <laughs> yes, that's how numbers work. I'm not good at math, but I can tell you that much. Yeah. Man, Paul just keeps swinging for the fences, yep. and everything's just Strike falling, out. Falling, falling pretty short for him. But how do you like that beer, Paul? Mm. It's good. It does have a good, like, <clears throat> maple syrupy, cinnamony, almost kind of bready kind of flavor to it. Um, I'm not getting... There's a hint of vanilla, probably from the bourbon barrel. But, yeah, you're right, John. It doesn't have that... Uh, what, what? Backwoods bastardy, backwoods bastardy, big like rounded finish. Is it better kind of than taking a warlock and adding maple syrup oh, to it? Much better. Okay. Yeah, I have. I still done can't, it, I still can't only get a, this. Only a fool. <clears throat> My beer store that. still just has the regular backwoods bastard, which nothing wrong with. Like, yeah. it's great. They have the regular dirty bastard. I can get the hazelnut KBS still, and then just the regular KBS, but. Last two weeks, still none of this available. If yeah, you it usually have a hard time. You're usually weeks to months after we get it that you get. Yeah, it. the founder stuff is really weird when it comes in down here. <clears throat> my local consumers here that I buy most of my beer from still has the hazelnut 
uh, KBS, and I, I'm just steering clear of hazelnut things because I'm pretty sure I don't like hazelnut. I think, you, sure. I think you love them. We've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure it's your favorite. I mean, I remember coming over to your house and you looking drunk with wrappers of Forever Rachel's around you uh-huh. and just chocolate smeared on your face. So yeah. I think you will love hazelnut. I really thought. What I, I also love is that I said all that for Chris, but Chris got up and left right in the middle of that. He he made the he's getting his other beer beer drink side. Um, what I will say about this is I agree with you, John. If I was picking this up, like and wanting the scratchy itch of uh, Backwards Bastard, thinking that it would you know knock off two birds with one stone, this is in it. This does not. I still want to get a Backwards Bastard. The beer the beer was very good on its own. Yeah. If they just put out Founders barrel-aged French toast, mm-hmm. I would pick it up and go, yeah, that nails it. But because it's Backwoods Bastard French toast, yeah. I'm one, I expect something more and different yeah, out of it. But it delivers French mm-hmm. toast. It delivers those flavors. I got nothing against the beer versus just wanting more out of it. Yeah. It's perfect for your drunk brunches. This is a good drunk brunch. Ooh, having this with cinnamon waffles? Mmm. Oh, mm. or, or French toast. <laughs> See, I, I never get a sweet French toast. Kate always makes a savory French toast. So, hmm. I'd, I'd rather have sweet waffles than sweet French toast. See, uh, what, what entails what you, are, what you are talking about? So, a savory French toast, because it's, there's no sugar in the batter. With the eggs. Okay. Um, so it's just bread dipped in egg egg wash or eggs, scrambled egg, and then uh, fried. And then, like, usually, like, pepper jack cheese is put on top of it and uh, mm. jalapenos. If we have, like, a jalapeno cheddar loaf, that makes a good savory French toast, you know, if it goes a little stale. Uh, that sounds good. I mean, doing that, that with a good. pepper jack on top. Because usually when, like, we make French toast, we just, we don't sugar the egg, but we put, like, cinnamon and maybe a little bit of vanilla, dip the bread into that, and then just cook it up and then put, like, maple syrup on it. So, yeah, we don't put maple syrup on it, uh, and it's... Well, obviously you're putting cheese and peppers on it. uh, I bet it's still good. it's, It's pretty good, because it's eggy bread. It's There's nothing sweet about eggy bread. And then you're the fr- you're just adding f- like a fruit compote to your waffles. Yeah, when you said you, you want a fr- fruit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get. I'm trying to understand yeah. your lingo because Paul, you say things like that's normally what everybody does. Yeah. Because... And I just wanted to go like, okay, what does that mean? Because like I have French toast with sausage or bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the so, side. Yeah, on the side. Yeah, on the side. Honestly. W- Whenever I make French toast, which isn't often, it's probably been years since I've done it, I literally just do egg, some milk in there, like whisk it together, and then I just take the bread and dip it in there. Like, I don't add anything to it besides whatever I'm putting on it, like maple syrup, like when Uh I'm actually eating it. Would you put maple syrup on scrambled eggs? Yes. Okay. Okay. I would put That's what's always weird to me out a little bit about French toast. It's like, okay, so it's scrambled eggs. Just yeah, you got eggs in your toast. pancakes. You got eggs in your pancakes, right? 
I get eggs in my pancakes? Yeah, but no, but pancakes are pancakes. Yeah, but it's got egg mixed in there with the flour and stuff. Right, but with the French toast, it's still very <laughs> eggy on the outside. Yes, but when I not... put maple syrup on my sausage, links yeah. or patty, uh-huh. I'll put that on that and then cut a bite and then take a bite of egg with all oh, of it wow. together. Okay. When I'm eating breakfast, like I try to eat everything separately because I love breakfast mm-hmm. foods, but like yeah. I'm, I'm all into my hash browns. I'm all into my eggs. But if stuff gets mixed together, it's just like a delicious breakfast goulash. Like that's fine. Like it all tastes yeah. good together anyways. Hey baby, you're making a combo. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I got some hash browns. I got some eggs. I got some like my sausage or my bacon left. Like you just eat that together. It's like a scramble. Yum. Yum, 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 yum. Yum. Yeah, I like to keep my sweet stuff kind of on its own plate, like waffles. You keep it segregated. Eggs. No, 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 on its own plate. It's not segregated. Well, we're, well, let's not use that terminology. No, it's it's separate, <laughs> Paul. It's separate, but it's it's still equal, right? No, it's a different. You, do you, thing you only completely. use white bread? Is that what I just heard you say? This is so the news, guys. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you move the show log, you make Paul. So probably the biggest news this week is James Gunn and his producing partner. Yep. Or at least like he's produced a number of things that James Gunn has worked on, who I'm forgetting the name of. Peter Safran. Safran are now the CEO of DC Film. Uh, DC Studios. DC Studios, which used to be called DC Film. And they're going to oversee not only the films over with uh, that are over at Warner Brothers that take part in the DC universe, but animation and also television as well. Uh, I think this is when I heard it. I was like, "Yeah, that's a I think a great choice for all of that." I think he's a great visionary who understands comic book characters. And knows how to tell a great story using said characters. I, for one, did not believe I would enjoy Peacemaker, but I ended up loving that show. Mm-hmm. Couldn't wait for the next one, and I liked it more than The Mandalorian that was coming out at the same No, it was Boba Fett. Boba Fett was yeah, coming out at the same time. Okay. Well, <clears throat> but the fact that that guy can do that and has an eye to do that and... I think he will, like in his films, picks all the right actors to play the characters. He will pick all the right people to make these movies. And have, I believe, have the possibility to work well with the studio, but also tell him to get the fuck off my set. I get out of here. I think at this point with what he's done over at Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy and then what he's done with Warner Brothers for the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, it shows that he can take characters and tell engaging, fun stories with them. And I think that's what DC really needs is someone that gets to the heart of it, the characters, and they have that creative eye. And I think this is a great move. I just hope they trust him and let him were kind of autonomously without too much oversight. Because uh, I think this is kind of the shot in the arm that DC needs. Like, I I have no issues with this at all, especially how much, like John was saying, I loved Peacemaker. Like, the Suicide Squad was 
fantastic. I, it made me watch the other Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey movies, which honestly were lacking. But something we'll be talking about in a couple minutes because it will also tie into this. But we're gonna we also got the trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Ooh. I'm I'm super excited for that now. I'm excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and. We've talked for years about some of these properties. We've dipped our toes into the Guardians comics like multiple times, and it's never done like anything for us, like as right. all. Like we might like it, but we don't stay on it. But I'm I'm excited for Guardians, and I think he's got that golden touch that you know he's going to make me excited for other DC properties now because he's got his hand on the wheel. You know, he's got his other hand on the shoulder guiding the person into that property. Uh, I'm excited for this mostly because before I always thought, oh, the Suicide Squad that James Gunn is doing, Peacemaker, it, 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 I thought it was showing that nobody over at DC, like, there was nobody mining the shop. Like, so James Gunn is just doing whatever he wants to do with it, and it's fine. But what was interesting and what I'm hopeful about is James Gunn was able to bring in, like, Sylvester Stallone to do the voice of King Shark. Like, he's able to bring in these very talented, well-known actors that have had established careers and do bit parts. Glenn Close in, yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1. I, I um, think that's, that speaks to it, too, because people like to work with him. Like, I think that's what it all boils mm-hmm. down to, is, like, he probably creates a good atmosphere on set, and, like, he listens to people and does what he wants to do where he's able to stay true to the characters, the story, but then to all the other parties involved. Like, and we had talked years ago about when he had actually been fired from Marvel studios because of some of his, you know, previous tweets that had come to light. And I don't blame Marvel for making that decision. So like even years later, but he, he did his time. Like he made amends. He fessed up to everything that he said. He's like, yeah, you know, I was young. I was, rolling into social media like a raconteur, like I want to, you know, get in the face of the establishment. I'm, I'm different now. Yeah. And I, I think that shows just even in the movies he's making now, like what he does now is very different from what he was doing back when he was making stuff at Troma. Right. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad there's another person. I think it's a little much to have. I wouldn't want, every film from DC to feel like a James Gunn production though. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that there's somebody else at the helm. It, granted, it's his a producer that's worked with him quite a lot, but somebody that is also going to make the dollar, you know, dollar and cents moves, you know, like, Hey, okay. We don't need the suicide squad guardians of the galaxy vacation of, uh, star girl. Like for mm-hmm. instance, like we don't need we don't need the JSA to be to be the Suicide Squad. We we can have them. Well, I don't even I don't know because I haven't seen Black uh, Black Adam, so maybe it's a horrible Snyderverse version of JSA right now that's out in the DC universe. So I'm I would be a little worried um, if it was just James Gunn. That's all I'm saying. Because so I want to want all DC to feel like. James Gunn. I I don't think I don't think it. I think he's smart enough that he realizes not everything can fit into that. 
like shoebox, but it's also kind of maybe what DC would need. Like they need a little bit of levity in there. Um, and I think he might yeah. be the person to, to bring it. I think I would rather see him in charge of this than some of the other people that have been focal in like the DC universe, like Zack Snyder. Like we had his take on some of these characters and it wasn't working. Like same thing, Joss Whedon coming in. Like, I don't think he would be the person, you know, and that's just a couple names that have already come off of title. Cards. I like Greg, you know, I enjoyed the Arrowverse for quite a while there. I wouldn't have mind if Greg Berlanti was one of the people that they tapped to be like in that group. Yeah. I, of, uh, Decision makers, you know, we loved we like the first two seasons of uh, *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*. Yeah, I, I don't know if, hmm, I don't because he's done great stuff in TV, but it works for TV. I don't know if it would necessarily work on the big screen, but you know, who, who knows where this is going to go? Because there's yeah, been yeah. so many like twists and turns to the DC story. Over the past ten years, like we were all excited because we thought, um, oh my goodness, why can't I? Think? The Green Lantern, also Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns was supposedly like a big player in that in those rooms, and it never felt Jeff like Johns esque. No, nothing felt like nothing felt like it had his touch on it. So I don't know. So hopefully your 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 uh, hopes are correct, Chris. That he's able to tell the studio to step back. <clears throat> I, I think this uh, and let I him have pull to, out I the guns. To, I have to go get a paper towel because this beer is going crazy everywhere. All right. Well, you do that. We'll talk about the next bit of news. Marvel Snap. It's a video game. It is a video I, game. And I just want to hear if Chris he played it yet because it's. It's a collectible card game in video game form, and you love that. I, I do, and actually, I'm getting a lot of advertisements for it on all of my social media stuff, so I think my phone knows that it's something that I would be into. I haven't picked it up yet, and the main reason being is it's by Second Lunch Studios. Yeah. Um, Second Lunch founded by Ben Brode, who was one of the key figures over at Blizzard Entertainment who worked on Hearthstone, which I really enjoyed when Hearthstone came out. I played it for maybe about a year, year and a half. But it was definitely, if you wanted to keep up with it, you had to invest in it. And I'm not a person that sinks money into mobile games like that. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to go the free-to-play route with it, and it just, it was impossible. Like, there was a big barrier to entry if you were going in that way. Uh, so I, I fell off of it. I've since tried playing another, like, game like this uh, from Magic the Gathering. They had one that came out this year called Spell Slingers, which is the exact okay. same thing. It's basically Magic's take on Hearthstone, which, same thing, it was fine. But if you want to get more cards to unlock more decks, like, you definitely need to pay, not just play, which I'm, I'm not going to do. And I'm afraid that's what Snap's going to have in it as well, even though it does look fun. I've heard Snap doesn't have that. Okay. There is no pay to play. From what I've heard, I've only heard reviews so far. But there are dailies. And there are weeklies for you to uh, to complete. Like, see, I'm And a- in order to get Spider-Man, you got to kill Uncle Ben. 
That's what I've heard. I'm okay with that kind of stuff. Um, I obviously still play Magic the Gathering Arena. Uh, that one, I do play enough that I'm okay with putting some money into each new set when it comes out to buy some of the packs because mm-hmm. I'm playing that game. And you get the cosmetics daily. too, right? Like, um, I I buy the pack bundle that they have because it's like 50 bucks, and then I buy the battle pass that they have because that unlocks more cosmetics and more packs as you play through. And each set lasts for three months before the next one comes out. And for how much I play it, for me, that's kind of a, a worthwhile cost because I'm not buying a lot of video games or anything. Like I'm not even buying as many comic books as I used to. So me putting like 70 or 80 bucks into a video game for three months is fine because it's, I'm not getting microtransacted out of it. I'm not spending right. 10 bucks a day on it. I, I don't know. Like, I might check out Snap, just download it, see, because I'm fine with doing dailies. I'm fine with doing weeklies. I'm also playing the Disney Mirrorverse oh, like, how's that? capture game. It's fine. Like It's definitely a game that I can sit down in the morning oh. before I'm ready to go to work and like do my dailies on that and go to work. And then on my lunch break, I can check back in and be like, oh, I've gotten back another 50 energy. Okay, I can do some more missions, get some more... Like progress on my characters, and then I'm like I don't have to feel like tied to that game, and it's one of those things. Like if I stop playing it, I'm not out anything. You said Mirrorverse, and I thought Dreamlike Valley or whatever it's called. Oh no, um, and and then he started talking, and I'm like, that's why I went oh because I realized it. Yeah, it's one of the like the game. you unlock. There's like you, five Disney games out right now that. Like that. That are like mobile based. There's Sorcerer's Arena. There's that's now a board game, and I bought the board game. Uh, there's the M- Mirrorverse, Dreamlike Valley, which is basically like Animal Crossing, yep. but with Disney characters. You know, and I haven't like I liked uh, Harvest Moon, and I never got into Animal Crossing, so I was thinking maybe Dreamlike Valley is the one that I get into because uh, if I get that up on the television, I think Kate would even play it. Yeah, it was a game that when I saw it came out, I thought about notifying Yanni about it, because she doesn't play video games, but I got her Switch a couple months ago, and she loves playing Animal Crossing. Like, she plays it every day. She plays it so much that she hasn't even had a chance to play the the Pokemon game that I got her too, because it's like, oh, why would I want to play another game? I've got Animal Crossing right here. Like, that's just this How is video games. Video games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, I already have one game. Why would I? Pac-Man need a is one? video game. No other video game, but Pac-Man. Yeah. So I, I thought of, I thought about saying like, well, hey, there's this Disney version, but I think it would be the same same thing. It's like, yeah, yeah but I'm already playing. Yeah. So. See, and that's where I think I have my level in. I haven't played a game like that since. <clears throat> Were we Pac-Man. vamping for me? Yes. yes. <laughs> we were talking video games while you left. Are you ready? Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. All right. Okay. So, spinning out of the James Gunn thing, there's like two ways we can go. Do we want to talk about Superman, or do we want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy? Ooh. Uh, I mean, let's do uh, let's do the spoiler that all the producers were pissed that it was a spoiler, uh, but The Rock was uh, on social media constantly being like. I wouldn't let. I wouldn't make a movie without him. He's back. Yeah, Henry Cavill back as Superman, and a lot of people were just like, "Oh no, there's nothing been signed. He's just back as this cameo 
in the post credit scene from Black Adam, but announced to, like yesterday, I think it was, uh, he is signed on to play Superman again. But at this point, there is no movie for him to be in. And Warner Brothers in DC are actually like soliciting four pitches for a Superman movie now from writers. Oh, I got a pitch. Make it good. <laughs> I, I think that's all you need to do. Like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of like Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman, but I do like Henry Cavill in mm-hmm. that role. I think he could be a great Superman. He could just needs, he just needs to have the right. Writer material, behind it. yeah, like, and that's it. Yeah, I even like him as Clark Kent. Like he's yeah. he pulls off a good Clark when he's not doing the edgy Zack Snyder yeah. bullshit. Yeah, he's great as that character. Oh, when he's like just like, <clears throat> hey, I'm going to get into this tub with Amy Adams. I'm like, yep. After he get just after murdered Clark. those people. That's <laughs> four. I don't, re- I don't remember that movie. I should watch it again because I enjoyed Man of Steel because it's not a Superman movie yet. Yeah, but the the um, that's Batman versus Superman. Oh, is when he gets in the tub? Yeah. Oh. That I don't remember. It's I a, saw yeah. Batman v Superman I, once, and I was like, "What was that movie?" All your thoughts and feelings stand because none of those movies ever had anything else that would elevate him to like that Superman role. It was always. Mm-hmm. The, the Man of Steel. Yeah. So hopefully James Gunn can get a handle on that and uh, figure that out. Like, um, but James Gunn also, they said he's not going to have anything to do with the new Joker movie. Yeah, yeah Joker. It's already, it's already basically being done. And the Matt the, Reeves Batman are just kind of like standalone things. And the Matt Reeves Batman, he may still have something. Matt he Reeves may be, is still do, doing that HBO show? The Gotham well, the Central penguin? kind of show? No, because well, it was a penguin And he's show. also wanting to do spin-off movies, right? Yeah. You have to also remember that Warner Brothers just says, we're making this. <laughs> we're going to make this. It's not going to be what you wanted. Uh, we're not going to do it. They just, they just keep listing things that they're going to make that they never do. I'm okay with them still doing other stuff. Like I love having a big universe that you know creators get to play in and have everything mean something in that universe i'm fine if they just do these one-off like black label movies like that's fine i've been reading comic books my entire life i can differentiate between different takes on batman like even as a batman fan you can read your batman book but the Batman is different from the Batman who's in Justice League, who's different from the one that's in World's Finest, who's different from the one in Detective Comics. Like, it's all Batman, though. Yeah. Batman yeah. book isn't always just a Batman book. Uh, much like how a Marvel Disney Plus show isn't always just a Marvel Disney Plus show, because now we got special presentations, people! Yeah, and... We already had Werewolf by Night, which now at this point we've all seen it. So, Paul. We've all seen it. John and I talked I about it. I accidentally watched it. Your thoughts. Halfway in German only. <laughs> with subtitles on, because I watch everything with subtitles on now, because I'm old and I can't hear things without subtitles. And when I turn on the subtitles for Werewolf by Night, I must have accidentally clicked the audio to be in German. 
And I'm like, wow, this is a really interesting take they took. Oh, it's hey. black and white. It's in German. Oh, man. The expressionism is going to be crazy. This is great. And it really worked. It worked so well. When I turned on the English, I'm like, I, I kind of want to put it back in German. Well, because it of- made it so other, you know, because it was it was its own thing completely, especially with it being in another language. And just subtitles that I was like, oh, yeah, this really works. So what what do you think of it as a whole, like as a whole special presentation? Uh, Kate said it was the best thing Marvel has done in years. Okay. Like she really, really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I can't believe they had Man-Thing in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, when the monster's hand comes out and then it's Man-Thing, I'm like, wait, he's... But it's werewolf by night. Where's the werewolf? Then I'm like, all oh, right, he's the werewolf. He's helping him get away. He's going to be the werewolf. Um, I could have spent more time with werewolf. So, uh, oh, also, also, when I when he says his name is Jack, and I realize he's going to be the werewolf, I say, oh yeah, his last name is Russell. And Kate's like, shut up, that's horrible, that's <laughs> such a stupid joke. And then I pause it during the credits. I'm like, see, see there, his last name. Russell. Jack Russell. He's a little bit of a terror. Jack Russell. So you say you wish you had gotten to spend some more time with him. Do you think this is something that could have supported like a whole series? Like, would you want six episodes of this versus the special presentation? No, but, uh, you know, like instead of 50 minutes or 40 minutes because of credits, like, it being like 90 minutes. Like, but... Again, the story is just like, hey, we're in a maze, and we are being hunted. And then the after effect, which is the bust out and murder and the wrap up. I like the introduction of all these characters. And I really enjoyed the relationship with Man-Thing and Werewolf Mm -hmm. by Night. And I'd like to live in that world again. Or you just you were just waiting to put was, it back. I, had, I had it pulled up. I was just waiting. Uh, Chris had so a, he had a, uses werewolf emoji while I was talking. Where if you were to do this and then do a show, I feel like you'd have to tie in the hunters and her being the leader, and then you have Jack is on the run now, or this or that, or this or that. And I think with a series, you have to tell all these extra big storylines where it's just like, I kind of want another short of just like man thing and him getting sushi the next day and something else happens that they kind of have to stumble their way through or get through. And then, you know, like I would not mind another presentation with this or that character showing (coughs) up in... The next Moon Knight, or this or that. Like, it's... I like that character enough that I don't want it just to be a one-shot. But I want more of that character. I think it's good. And his his face paint was cool. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled it off. Uh, And in German, that is... Yeah. Uh, Paul, you probably... I don't know if you'd like the character as much as I did uh, with it being in German, because he's one of the first people to get killed. 
but the big guy with the beard who tells him he uh-huh. likes his face paint, uh, that guy co-wrote most of the 90s Muppet movies. Uh, <laughs> Treasure Island, um, he did uh-huh. uh, the Scrooge one. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scrooge uh, great. He's a puppet maker and did voices in it. So it's, it's interesting that all the people that were cast in that were all just really weird, like, little character actors and everything that he just, like, brought he brought into this that all just, like, looked cool, fit the part, knew what the job was, and uh, died. I think they did well. I, I would prefer to see more special presentations than, like, the full-blown <laughs> series. Like, I think if it's a character yeah. that we've already seen and interacted with and gotten to know, maybe, like, you know, WandaVision or Loki. Like, mm-hmm. a series works okay, but the special presentations for, like, introducing someone new, so, like, when they do pop up in another series or a movie, <clears throat> you can just kind of hit the ground running with them, I think is perfect because there is so much content coming out now, not just from Marvel, but also from everywhere else. A lot of stuff is getting overshadowed because there's just so much. Like, I'm still trying to finish up Rings of Power. I haven't even started uh, the other Game of Thrones series yet. I'm like wow. four episodes behind on Andor. Like, I, I can't I keep up I haven't even anymore. started Andor yet. But, you know, for me to sit down and watch one episode of Werewolf by Night... Yeah, that's that's not a lot because now, all right, I've seen everything. Uh, yep. And the rumor is that the next, well, not the next because we already know what the next one's going to be. Uh, but supposedly, Silver Surfer is going to be a future Marvel special special presentation uh, to lead into Fantastic Four when we wind up getting that, in like twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, whatever it's been pushed back to now, um, which I I think is awesome. I, I would love to see that. <clears throat> yeah, I would like I, to. See. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm so worried about the Fantastic Four. It's been rumored and pushed back, rumored and pushed back. Like they Dr- should be the first family, and there's no way to make them the first family now. Well, especially because the Ant Man families. The yeah. real first family, which we also got the first full trailer for the Ant-Man Quantumania movie coming out. Uh, if you had gone to was it San Diego Comic-Con or D23, they had shown off some footage. But this is actually all different footage than they actually showed at that special presentation. And as soon as this came out, I I watched it. We had already like had it in our chat mm-hmm. thread. It looks absolutely wild. This looks bonkers. Yeah, yeah it looks but great. It's a it, Marvel trailer. So how much actually shows up in the actual movie? I feel like a good amount of this is because there's... <laughs> I know. There's, I, well, this means I don't think there's any, like, gotcha stuff in this trailer. I think everything that you're seeing is just, like, quick cuts of all the characters like, <clears throat> as they're doing something else. This isn't, like, the Infinity War trailer where it's the Hulk running through the forest with the rest of the Avengers. Like, this is all just, hey, you're going to see this movie because Kang's in it now. And Bill Murray, oh. which we already knew. Is Kang in it? Because it's a Marvel trailer. <laughs> Who knows? Well, they had cast Jonathan Majors as yeah. Kang for this before he was, before Loki 
even was yeah. uh, gonna gonna happen. Uh, which I do love when that first shot where you see Kang in his Kangness with the glowing face coming down. I was like, oh god, they did it. Yep, there it is. And then again, when you see him and he's got the big scar on his face, and he's uh, like, oh, "Ant Man, I wanted to meet you," or whatever he says. I was just like, "Oh man, can't wait." Yep, this is the first and only trailer I'm going to watch for Am- you know, for Quantum Mania because I get I'm, it. I'm already stoked. Yeah, oh, I'm super excited. I don't need to see anything more. To give me anything else yeah. to be excited about, I, I'm there. I, I think I've ticket, seen too much. Ticket bought. Uh, and one of the things I that- should have stopped it during the first part of the trailer after after the shop owner goes, "Thank you, Spider Man." That's when I should have just <laughs> hit pause and been like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm yeah, good." But that, but what I do like about this trailer is it's Ant Man doing the Ant Man stuff, going into the other worlds and saving all these mm-hmm. things. To then come back and just and be a guy who's called Spider-Man. Like, yeah. the rest of the Avengers are like, come on, this guy? And then you're like, miniaturize and see what I do. Like, uh, I, li- I like that. I think it's a lot, of, a lot of fun. And possibly the send-off for Paul Rudd as Ant-Man? I, hope I don't not. know. I, I'm loving all of all these movies. Anytime Paul Rudd's in anything related to Ant-Man, I'm, I'm there for it. I, I don't want to say goodbye to this character, especially now that, you know, we're going to have Cassie taking on a bigger role in it. Uh, something we had talked about briefly before, but I forgot about it until I saw this trailer. But now Cassie's being played by the girl who was in Freaky who was the serial killer that had switched bodies with Vince Vaughn's character. And as soon as I saw her pop up, I was like, oh my gosh, I love Freaky. Like, I gotta watch this now. So it's not the same girl that was in Endgame? No, different no, actress. She, she got so recast. She, so the rumor is, and I haven't seen any more confirmation, but supposedly as soon as she was cast to be Cassie in uh, Infinity War, she kind of like leaked it out, and Marvel wasn't happy with that. But again, that's all hearsay, so I don't know. Yeah. There's say. There's say. Me say. Uh, I'm looking forward to some more Doctor Who. Because we just had the Jodie Whittaker reach the end of her run, and she regenerated. Not into the new 14th Doctor, Shudi Gatwa, but actually back to everyone's favorite David fucking Tennant. Tens back. And this is something that we knew about because um, it was announced that for this upcoming anniversary, whatever it is, I can't remember the number, uh, David Tennant was going to be back with <clears> Catherine <throat> Tate in the roles as Ten and Dr. Noble. Yeah, uh, Donna Noble. Uh, but also on the heels of that, it was announced that Disney Plus is going to be the new streaming platform for future episodes of Doctor Who. So all the ones that you've already seen watched leading up to this are still going to be available on HBO max, but going forward for 14 and up, it will be Disney plus, which John, you had a a good thought that I didn't even like put together. Oh, um, I, yeah, I, I said to the guys, I was like, so did Disney get a steal on this? Cause HBO max is selling off everything. So they just went like, yes, please. We'll take that. 
lick the thumb. Here's a couple of bucks. But it seems uh, like hand it over. to be the home for a Doctor Who would be a big pull for Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. So it seems weird that they would want to shuffle that off. But again, we've talked previously that they just cut a lot of stuff from the platform. Like, I mean, we already talked about Batgirl being canceled, but even just weird random movies like the Seth Rogen American Pickle, like they just deleted it from the servers because, man, we don't we don't want it on there. So. Once the terms of the deal are up with BBC, maybe all of Doctor Who jumps over to Disney Plus so. or, you know, somewhere else. Because I am less interested now knowing that it's only the the ongoing stuff. Like, I want to see the old David Tennant stuff. The, I want to see the stuff from Chris. I want it available. The Christopher, Eccles, Christopher Eccleson onward I, available to me anytime I want. I would imagine they it'll end up going there at it, some point. Eventually, I think so. But for me, as a 10 fan, <clears throat> th- I'm excited now to watch this special and know that, okay, well, this is going to lead into the next Doctor. Oh, I'm going to have access to watch all of that on Disney+, Plus, which I'm I spend more time on than I do HBO Max. Too much content, guys. I just said it. Too I much. only have one streaming service right now. It's uh, Disney Plus, but my Disney Plus uh, subscription runs out on November 12th. So, and Kate is pushing for Netflix after the holidays versus anything else. Kate is now saying that she's done with Disney Plus. She doesn't feel like there's enough for her to watch on it. And I'm pushing to get, instead of Netflix, which costs, I think, a dollar more, the bundle of Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Hmm. If that makes sense. I think I lost John. Nope, he's no, just, I'm he's sorry. He's stuff on his phone. Um, I, we'll keep us updated on that, Paul. But... While you're planning out which streaming services you actually want to subscribe to, why don't you tell us about what you just took a sip of? Ooh. Uh, this is from, also from Founders, this is the KBS, the Kentucky Bourbon Stout, uh, or Kentucky Breakfast, Breakfast Stout, sorry. And I'm going to mispronounce this again. Maple Mackinac. Mackinac. Oh, you said it right, Paul. Hey, thank you. Uh, this is also barrel-aged. This is, uh, you know, 11% less than... The last one. This is 11%. Not 11.1%. Wait. 10%. I didn't do the math again. I, I, I didn't do the math again right. Um, and it's like the third is, time I've given you a big eye roll during this. Yeah. That's why you come here. <laughs> you come for the comic book talk. You stay for their eye rolls. Uh, this is great. This is probably my favorite of the variations of the KBS. Um, Paul, we said that a, the last time we had it, two years ago. Yeah. Well, I had it just I, within this I'm past year. I'm reiterating it. Because I didn't Has have it, it when it came out originally, and I got it long after. Like, we were already saying, like, I don't get stuff on time. And it was just such a big, rich chocolate flavor off of it. Yeah. Oh, the, the how it finishes with that deep chocolate finish. Um, I don't get... You get a hint of maple at the start, but it's just, just like a, a great KBS throughout, and then rounds out with that 
big chocolate finish. That finish is what I was missing a little bit from the uh, French Toast Bastard. Uh, this delivers front, middle, and end. It's a complete three-chapter story in your mouth. Um, yeah, the uh, Maple Mackinac Fudge. This is yeah, this is the KBS that I look forward to and will purchase. Like regular KBS, I'm like, I'll sell, I'll save the eight bucks and I'll just buy Dragon's Milk. Um, but KBS uh, Maple Mackinac Fudge. That's I think it's worth the price. Uh, John, what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking not a stout. I thought it was a stout, but it's a sour. <laughs> and this is mm-hmm. from Fifth Frame Brewing out of Rochester, New York. And this is their Blizzy. This is a rotating sour. And this one happens to be frozen dessert style sour pumpkin splizzy blizzy. Uh, I'm worried that this is going to make me sick because I didn't keep it refrigerated. I thought it was a stout till I opened it up and started pouring it. Uh, it definitely has okay flecks of pumpkin in it. I don't know if it's pumpkin pie. I don't know if it's lactose that's curdled, but it kept foaming out of my glass and made a giant mess. I have like 90 napkins here that I've had to... So uh, when you started pouring it and then later sent a picture of it, it reminded me of like Metamucil almost because it just looked like so thick. Like... Yeah. But it's really good. It tastes like... Don't drink it though. Don't do it. I I know. I'm... I, I, I have had enough. I'm... I'm okay. already calling in sick tomorrow because my son's sick and I have to stay home with him. So I oh. don't also want to be trying to take care of a sick kid uh, crapping my brains out. But it was very good. I looked up pictures uh, that people put up on Untapped to see what other people's looked like. A couple of them looked like mine. Most of them didn't. So I think something possibly could be wrong. It doesn't say keep cold on the label anywhere on it, which if it was something like this that could spoil, you would imagine that it would say keep cold on it. Oh, no, here it is. Keep cold, drink fresh. <laughs> oh, it says it right there. Oops. Uh, uh, oh, so I'm not going to drink any more of that. It was very good. It would make me want to continue getting there. Blizzies. Uh, but yes, I'm done drinking that. Do you have to call up your beer store and so, just make sure that they're all being kept cold now? Or did you? No, did you so this was dropped of off. Aisle? This was dropped off to me by their rep um, because we're going to start carrying their beers. Uh, and he said, like, you guys probably won't be getting the Blizzy, but it's really delicious. Um, so I just wanted to give you one because I knew I know the guy. Uh, so I was like, "Oh, cool!" But in no place did he say keep it cold. He left it out for me warm. I left it on the counter for like a week because uh, I was like, "Ah, I probably won't drink this." I'm not a, like pumpkin hasn't been my thing lately. Uh, but then when Chris said he had a stout to drink, I was like, "I got a stout too!" And then I poured this, and a mess ensued. You know what, though? I'm kind of glad he realized it wasn't a stout when he poured it, 
obviously because of the color. But uh, it looks like you blended because, up pumpkin pie enough. It does. It just, looks so just because thick. Because if I was thinking of a stout, like if I just opened up a can, didn't look in because <laughs> you can't really see it, and like took a sip of what I think was going to be a stout, and then it was sour. I think I would hurl. You know yeah. what I mean? Just because my mental space wouldn't be there. Yeah, the texture is definitely that of like a, a froth fruited sour. Um, and it, I can't it do those. Tastes, it tastes like you blended up a piece of pumpkin pie. It's very good. And it's not super tart. It is a little bit of a tartiness to it, but it's not like, oh my God. But Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking. Is it a act- stout? It's an actual stout. It's not a pumpkin pie uh, that's foaming over. Uh, and this is coming from 26 Degrees Brewing Company uh, in Pompano Beach, Florida. And this is Beer for Bombs. And this is a beer that the proceeds from are actually going to the war in Ukraine. The recipe for this uh, Russian Imperial Stout is actually coming from Pravda Brewing uh, in Lviv, Ukraine. And once the war in Ukraine started, the brewery stopped making beer, and they actually just started making alcohol to supply people with Molotov cocktails. And the money from this beer is actually going back to the brewery so they can continue uh, supplying people, not just with alcohol to make cocktails with, but um, they're using the donations to pay for drones, uh, rifle scopes, technical gear, medical packs, and everything else. That's fucking tough. So that's dope. <laughs> like it's so cool. Um, drink a beer. Get us. Buy us a scope. Yeah, I, be dope. <laughs> I'm all for it, and it just turns out that's just a really good imperial stout on top of it. Um, I don't think I can put it over the the Rasputin North Coast Left Coast. Yeah, North Coast. Yep. I can't remember who makes North it. North Coast. Um, yeah. But it's damn well close to that. Um, I picked up a four pack of it. I think it was like 20 bucks. I have no issues having paid that much for it because it's that good of a beer. And also, again, the proceeds are going to something that's just metal as fuck. So, yeah. Beer for bombs. Let's go. Uh, when you said, uh, I thought you said beer for bonds. And then when you said all proceeds go to, I thought you were going to say Barry Bonds, the baseball player. Oh, no. Or is, no. He, or is he a football player, Paul? No, he's a baseball okay. player. You're right. Well, you made it like a, like I'm going to correct him, but I'll just let him go because he's an idiot. No, no, no. Move. Barry Bonds. So, oh, okay. So. All right. Well, maybe he could have legal troubles because it's, you know, the whole yeah. doping scandal. Yeah, he was, he was a, yeah. a steroids boy. But, yeah, um, it's, really, it's just really good, too. <laughs> uh <clears throat> if you guys have anything else to talk about, any other beers you've had? Well, John brought up uh, money for so, uh, baseball players, so it makes me want to mention Bobby Vanilla. But no, I, I'll just let Nobody know who that is. I don't. July 1st, <laughs> Bobby Vanilla Day. It's fine. The only other Oh, is this the guy player? with the thing where he gets paid? Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's so good. It's one of those things Paul heard on a podcast, and then he loves telling people about it. Uh, yep. Well, Paul, do you like telling people about the comic books you're going to be picking up this coming Wednesday? This, yeah, this Wednesday is a pretty light week for me. <clears throat> uh, but I'm excited to see uh, what uh, Ryan North does with uh, Secret Invasion, number one. This is a miniseries coming in. Uh, 
it, apparently the scrolls are coming back. Maria Hill is like, ooh, there's a scroll in Iowa. I got to see what they're up against, what they're doing. Um, I'm not really excited about this mini series because <laughs> because we already we the, already had a secret invasion like 12 years well, ago. Yeah, guys, if you remember, we had to have a second civil war because they were making the civil war movie, so you had to have that tie-in. So now we're having a second one of these because it's going to be the show coming out. You got to yeah, remind it's like three years from now. You got to remind it's, people about it. Yeah, but it's like three years from now that Secret Innovation, the television series, no, is coming out, right? Coming it's like this year. There, it's this year. Yeah, there's our. We talked about the trailer for it. Guys, I'm my Disney Plus is up at November 11th. I don't. I don't know what's coming out, out on Disney Plus after that. Um, no, but. What I'm really excited is that uh, Ryan North is going to be writing the new Fantastic Four series that starts next week. So I want to see how he does with this series so I know whether or not to be excited or depressed going into Fantastic Four. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm wondering if uh, Ryan North is going to take me in the right direction. Um, he made that joke before no, no. we started recording, no, too. Chris. No, I'm just saying. Chris, Chris. Will he take me? Will Ryan North, North, take me in the right direction? So John, Ryan John. North's done some other books that we read because I recognized his name, so I just looked him up again. Um, he's also done the Adventure Time comics. Uh, he's done the Midas Flesh, which we read from Boom Studios. He's done some stuff for Marvel Comics. He's done some Jughead. Um, unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and he also did an Over the Garden Wall comic, which after watching that whole series the other night, I kind of want to check that out because it's a fantastic cartoon. Um, I am intrigued by this. I don't know if it's going to be as fun as something like Over the Garden Wall, Adventure Time, or like his uh, Squirrel Girl stuff, but yeah, why not? So. So you're you're kind of excited. You're looking forward. You think it's it, it wouldn't be uh, heading south for you, Paul? I think you're breaking one of the cardinal rules of the podcast. If something's not working, you don't keep saying it. No, no, I just keep on going. I keep on going. You know me, Paul. If only your uh, moral compass was pointed better. Yeah. Anyways, John, how about you? Uh, I am looking forward to Batman 129. Uh, I deleted the page. He changed his mind. I deleted the page by accident. Uh, He's not looking forward to it. (laughs) This is written by Chip Zardisky. This is part five, chapter two uh, of this this big arching story arc. But the story is... uh, Batman at one point, he doesn't quite remember when, created a robot to take him out if he ever goes too far. And it's called Failsafe. And this robot is activated. Batman doesn't know why. And Batman's been fighting it, but now he's been pulling in the Justice League to help him because he cannot win against this robot. And Neither can the Justice League, because this this robot was designed by Batman, and it has all the fail-saves to take out the Justice League as well. Uh, And where the book lands on uh, 128, um, Batman's licking his wounds, 
uh, in Atlantis, and uh, the robot has taken over Gotham, but is constantly doing things to draw him out. If it's televising torture of other superheroes, or letting it known that Batgirl has been captured, or things like that. It's trying to draw him out, and now that he's uh, a little bit... His wounds have been licked, and he's healed a little bit. This issue is going to be Batman packing it up and going back into Gotham to try to take this robot out and save his friends. Who gave their lives to help him uh, while he was just inches from death. So it's basically... it's. Batman invading Gotham instead of Batman with his fortifications within Gotham protecting Gotham. It's it's that's a, that's a cool story. Uh, yeah, I I told you guys what was it two weeks ago last week? Yeah, it was last week. I, last week I had picked up the issue because I heard that Chip Zerziski was doing a great job. Um, so I just like I grabbed I did a poll. I just grabbed it in the middle to check it out, and I was like. Damn, this is a good book. It looks good. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a pickup. I really, really like it. And like, um, all of Batman's suits had been destroyed, so he's wearing the like weird clown colored like techno color, oh, the, all the different colored ones. The, uh, Batman has zero anthra. Yeah, he's wearing that suit, getting the shit kicked out of him. It's pretty good. So. Chris, thank you. I, I wasn't going to start talking up? until someone threw it to me. Yeah, no, I, I will always throw it to you, man. I'm... Uh, I'm looking forward to a new number one coming out. This new number one is actually all reprints of comic books that came out almost 20 years ago now. Uh, coming out from Marvel Comics, this is Cross Gen Tales number one. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be all the robot things out of Star Wars books into one book. No, I've... that droids book. I'll buy that again when they release it like in another 20 years. I'm like, oh, there's a Star Wars droids book coming out. Sounds fun. I read all these twice now. Um, (laughs) But CrossGen was a comic book publisher in the early 2000s that was all creator owned and operated. Everybody actually lived and worked together in a compound here in Orlando, Florida, actually. But they put out a lot of really good comic books and they brought a lot of big talent in and helped launch a lot of big talent. One of our I think, you know, favorite artists as a podcast. Uh, Steve McNiven came out of CrossGen when he was working over on Meridian. Um, But this is actually a reprint of a couple number ones. So this is going to be reprinting Mystic number one, Sigil number one, Sojourn number one, and there was a uh, Ruse number one, which was the mystery comic book that you were reading. Uh, I have, uh, in my long box over there, I have the entire series in single issues. And uh, when I was organizing and reboxing them, I had them sitting out, and I was telling my wife, you should read these, you'll really like them. And she's like, I know I will, but I'm not in the mood to read those. If you're saying I like them, I will, I'm like, 
I gave this to my mom to read, and my sister and my mother were harping at me to pick up the next issue. And that's one of the reasons I have all the issues is because every time I'd get back from the comic book store, like, did you get it? Did you get it? Like drug addicts, like scratching their arms at their heroin holes and be like, come on, baby, give me the goods. They they put out some like, but way of the impressive comic book. Oh, way of the rat, Mark is, Wade. Yeah, is is one of the best. Um, and I think isn't I, I want to say Mark Wade did Ruse as well, or is uh, it uh, that was uh, Ron Mars? Was it Ron Mars? Yes, or maybe he did. No, because Ron Mars did Mystic. I think. Yeah, I don't remember, but I think this is definitely something that's worth picking up. Um, all of these number ones are fantastic reads, even though they're from like twenty years ago. It's eight ninety nine. It's one hundred and twenty four pages, and I think it's fantastic that Cross Gen is maybe coming back. Um, just to put everything kind of into perspective, Cross Gen kind of folded in on itself. It kind of expanded its reach too far too fast and they started doing too much um the creator of cross gen comics mark alessi was actually the person that started the uh orlando megacon which is still one of the biggest comic book conventions that happens in florida every year but it was just a lot of money going out with not a lot of stuff coming back in and they did a lot of really cool publishing um not imprints um, like initiatives, I guess should be the word I'm using for it. Uh, because in addition to just putting out their single issues, they were very quick on their trade paperback turnaround to get people in the bookstores to be picking up their books. So if trade number one of something contained issues one through five, that would be on the shelves the same day as issue number six came out. Uh, they did multiple like anthology books where you could spend eight bucks and it would contain issues one through six of four different books. And then six months later, volume two would come out eight bucks would have, you know, issues seven through 10. Like they were trying to get comics into people's hands. And I think it was just a really cool idea that just, it didn't work out at the time. And once this company started to fold in on itself and it went bankrupt, they were actually sold off to Disney which, I don't know if you guys know this, but like 12 years ago, Disney bought Marvel Comics. And at that point, everyone was like, oh, well, now Disney has a comic book publisher. They're going to be bringing back cross-gen stuff. It hasn't happened. Out of nowhere, we're getting this cross-gen tales number one. And I'm hoping this is Disney kind of getting these like titles and books back out there. So maybe we can see a cross-gen... Redux within the next year or so. I remember Marvel doing a cross-gen relaunch a few, like, years ago. Like, quite a few years ago, because they, well, I don't have the long box now, but I had issues of the cross-gen like, imprint over at Marvel. 2011. The miniseries. I think they, no. I want to say, because I just looked up on Comixology, they have, they have Ruse, which is like a four-issue miniseries that has the cross-gen and Marvel logo on it. So, Hmm. 
Hmm, they might have done a, a reprint. I know once Disney bought CrossGen, they had put out like the next issue of the Abadazad book, and everyone was assuming it's because they were going to be adapting Abadazad into a movie, which never happened. But well, looking up Ruse on Wikipedia, and it was Mark Wade. They had okay. also Disney had also had mentioned that Sam Raimi was attached to direct Ruse. So. I think, yeah, I think there was, they were going to do something with it. And then I think it just got buried. And I'm glad that stuff is coming back because most of that stuff is, again, out of print. But like Way of the Rat, I'd love to reread those books because it was such a cool kung fu story. Like it was great. And uh, I'd love to be able to read that again. Um, what was the one with the. Um, the female archer. Uh, Sojourn, which Sojourn. number one is yeah. in this. Sojourn was so good. Um, I really enjoyed that story, too. She was a really cool, she was a cool character. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the last time I actually liked Greg Land on artwork for a book, too. Uh, Almost 20 years ago, guys. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my pick for yeah, the nice. list this week. Yeah, it's a great pick. I... Don't know if I would want to have that as my monthly look back, though. So, uh, it, uh, how many pages? One hundred and twenty-four. It's not going to be my pick yeah, for the look. That would be back, a trade-in. But this is anything. something that I'm excited is coming out. And even though I've read these books, some of them, it's been so long since I did read it. I, I'll be picking this up just to show my support for it because if Disney and Marvel do want to bring back Russian, I think it's a wealth of stories and titles for them to kind of dip back into. Yeah. Something else to dip into would be a dramatic reading. And now a dramatic reading from Joe Frankenstein. Number one page 10 panel one. Out of the past. Frankenstein. And that was the dramatic reading of Joe Frankenstein. Page 10. Panel 1. I saw Chris like do the, like, hey, I need to take a break sign. Like, before we started the dramatic reading, and I'm like, okay, mentally, I'm going to slow down the dramatic reading so that way Chris can go and come back before I finish the I dramatic think he just, reading. He was still here. He wanted to see what you were going to do. Well, I started it. He can always listen to the episode, much like you listeners. And if you're listening, hey, read and review us when you had a chance. You know, wherever you're listening to us, email us at uh, bangbroadcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We normally say this at the end of the yeah. episode. I'm putting it right here and, in the uh, middle. Maybe you don't listen to the yeah, end. Yeah, and, and uh, let Paul and I know if you're listening to the Barbecue Boys. Uh, we got a couple more episodes yeah. coming out of that. Uh, just two good buddies talking BBQ, baby. And we're loving it. Yeah, we're, we're trying to uh, learn how to barbecue and also not kill each other while eating the food. So, or while cooking food. So it's great. He's back. I'm back. I had to get my next beer. More vamping. Oh, nice. 
Sorry, I, I made the no, I need done. to use the restroom motion, and I was like, oh, I'm up. I should I should grab my next beer because we're about to head into the main topic. Yeah, and what main topic is that? Uh, October's in the rear view, guys. So that means it's time for us to take a look back at the comic books we read in October of 2022. Uh, so we're going to do our monthly look back. We each picked a new number one or new story arc to bring to the table. Uh, and then we subject everybody else to reading it. And now you're going to hear us talk about those books. Uh, this week and this month, we have DC Comics Punchline, The Gotham Game, number one. The Approach, number one, from Boom Studios? Boom Studios. Okay, I couldn't remember. I didn't write it down. I couldn't remember if it was Boom or... Uh, image. And then from over at Archie Comics, The Chilling Adventures of Salem, number one. You heard us talk about some of these books in our picks for the list. Uh, some of you guys fulfill your promises. I did not pick one of my list books <laughs> for this, though, because uh, Punchline literally just came out today, so I did not have a chance to really look at it too much and pick it, so... I go through when it's my turn when we have to pick a book for uh, the list. I'm like, okay, what books did I say I was going to pick up during the? I do I do the same thing, but and I'm like, okay, I'll buy those real quick and I'll read them. Of those four, which one's decent? Sometimes I, I'll pick books thinking I want to bring it to the table for a look back. I uh, I go into onto our bagged and board Instagram. And scroll through the month and see which books I picked, and then I go, "Oh yeah, have I or haven't I picked that up?" And uh, the approach I could not find at the comic book store. I don't think they ordered it. I can understand why. Uh, and uh, had to buy it digitally. But also, in the end, I usually end up having to buy everybody's digitally because we decide to do this episode. The day before we do it. So I did, don't have a chance always to go out and buy the physical copy. Yeah. I think my book came out, like, last week or this week as well. So so unless I'm picking something that I'm going to be continuing on to read, like, sort of Azrael, I buy all of these books digitally because I don't want to have the clutter of (laughs) comic books just sitting around that I'm buying, like, one issue of. But, John, uh, why don't you start us off, because you kind of already introduced your book. So, why don't you go ahead? Uh, So, my book is... Sorry, I was... I thought we might start with you, because that was the list you uh, started it in. So, I already had Punchline queued up. But this is the, uh, The Approach by Jeremy Hahn, Jason A. Hurley, and... Jose Hervas. And um, this is the story of a small airport that's having a huge storm, the worst one they've had in years. And a plane has been diverted to go to this, uh, to, to land at this airport. The emergency t- team is there, which is two people one police officer, one person working the gate, and one person in the tower. And they land the plane successfully, they get everybody inside, they get the baggage off, and then out of nowhere, this small plane comes crashing down into the runway. They run out, they're able to save one person, but it turns out the person's already dead. And uh, the power's gone out in the facility, 
due to the storm. It's pitch black. Uh, and the body has risen as a monster. And oh, wait, did I tell ya? That plane that crashed went missing 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you tell us when you pick this for the list. I know, it's basically the same thing. Uh, pretty much, start to finish, that's what happens in this book. I didn't mind the book. It looks fine. It's definitely the start of a horror movie, a horror mm-hmm. book. It's the start. Where it's mm-hmm. going to go from here, you don't know. I would have no problem picking this up in trade if I found it and it was on sale. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing where this story is going to go. I enjoyed the introduction of the characters in this book. Um, but yeah, it's not... By far, it's not my favorite book and by far, it's not the worst book I've ever picked for the list. Uh, but it is just kind of a book. Yeah, I I think the premise is solid, and I think this is a great start. But by the time it gets to the start, it's over. And I don't care about the characters. Like, I literally can't tell you any of these people's names. But I think it's such a good horror movie premise that I would read more of it. And if this was put out as like an oversized like one shot or a original graphic novel like I think it would be a cool read um, it there's just not enough there to make me be like okay I'll keep reading it even though what I read wasn't bad and I was interested in yeah uh, I just I'm much like your punchline book I didn't care about that book till matches Malone showed up at the end yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's... He was there at the beginning. You we just didn't realize. I, I knew it was him, because who else is going to be that, Bill? Uh, we're not talking about that <laughs> book, though. Um, I said this when you brought this book up for your list pick last week, the week before, whenever it was. This sounds kind of like a Jeff Lemire book, where it's just one of those, like, uh, plane crash lands at an airport, plane went missing, here's a monster that comes with it. It's very much in that Jeff Lemire or like Scott Snyder horror. horror vein. And I think for a writer that I don't know and I'm not familiar with, I'm trying to go back between the pages and get to the title to see who wrote this because I don't remember. Um, I think this is a solid start to an interesting book, though. I Is this a miniseries or was it? I believe it is a miniseries. I just freaking hate. Uh, Comicsology, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley writing this. Uh, it's, I think this is a solid, solid start. Like I would like to see this monster tearing apart people, you know, hunkered down in an airport who are living off of vending machine snacks. Uh, but is it? How much was this one? Do you remember? Oh, I think it was like two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Okay, that's, that's not terrible. I think it's one of four. Unless you picked like number two for us to read next month, I would probably forget to look to see if number two was out for me to pick up, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it's there's no character development in this that makes you want to get root for any of the characters. You see the chief or the detective who's a firefighter because he's wearing fire uniform um, throughout. 
like wake up pop, out of the sleep pills. for popping some pain medications I'm guessing you know in a double wide trailer but it's depicted as single wide trailer is that okay forever. I'm glad you brought this up because they do make note like because it pulls out and you see like see he lives in a trailer park what's a double wide trailer that those are all the, the, that is depicted there are single wide trailers. So what? Is, those are what wide. is a single wide trailer? That's a single wide. What you're it's looking just at? A, that it's like a, a one straight thing. Like a think of like a tractor trailer pulls that one. Yep. Okay, so then a double wide would be like two of those. Two of those, like, but going mm-hmm. width wise, not, not length. Okay. Okay. And looking at that man, <laughs> he definitely lives in a double wide. Yeah, he's big. But even, like, seeing him, like, when he's sitting in there watching the TV, like, it seems like a pretty good size. A good yeah, size room. Yeah, that's, that's that area. You're talking about a fucking in. picture, Paul. You're you're picking on double-wide, single-wide on a drawing. That's the thing you get stuck on in this book. I'm, I don't... I'm not getting no, you stuck. Just, on. You brought it up. I, I, you brought it up. Like, man, it's too small. I got to bring up something. I like this book up until when he's doing the logistics. He's like, hey, I'm going to get out. I'm going to go out and get these people need to wear clothes now. We got to get all these bags off so at least they can layer up. Hey, while I'm out there, unlock the vending machine. I know there's not much in there, but at least it's something. And, and you didn't like, like it because the regulations. Didn't, he didn't. And he's like, he didn't whoa, unroll whoa, whoa, whoa. a blueprint when he said all this, right? That's what got you. No, no, I, I liked all this. He's like, it, it, this yeah, is extreme circumstances. It's, it's humanity winning over. Like, we're, we're past regulations. Like, let's just get things done and get these people settled in. He's great. I don't know his name. I don't understand why he lives in Trailer Park. Because you would think that he'd have a better stipend, better better salary than all this, but whatever. <clears throat> um, I liked all that, and then it turns into a zombie thing, and I'm like, okay, I no longer care. So it because it turns into a zombie thing, but well, it's more of a monster cover, than a yeah. On on the cover, it's like some big like Lovecraftian like elder god thing that's kind of following in the planes. So I was kind of expecting more of that from the get-go but i was expecting more of that of the pilot like you don't understand i have to get out of here it's chasing me or something like that not the pilot is the monster i like i have no problem with i have no problem like like i said it's not it's great start to a horror movie or book but I feel like we're on the we're sounding negative, but like I, I dug this book, I liked it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just have the problem with there's four characters that were basically introduced with Fire Guy, Fire, Fire Girl, guy, trainee, the person, the new girl, the, the guy in person up in the, the uh, air traffic air traffic control, and Rebecca, the stewardess. I'm guessing. Oh, see, co-pilot. I think no, she's, I think she's like, a stewardess because she's wearing like a pencil skirt. Like I assume she was a stewardess when she's going up there. But I, well, you're just sexist. It's okay. I thought she worked at the airport. Like she'd be the person selling the tickets, taking the tickets, getting people. But no, on. nobody's working at the airport because he's got to go in. I don't know. Maybe well, because he had to go. Like, he I had thought to she go got. A, I thought Rebecca came off the plane. The, 
to clean the the strip for they so they can land. Yeah. See, because I read it the same way Paul did, where she came off the plane. That she might have. That yeah, because he even says like, "Oh, go ahead, so and so, take the you know, like the the tropical thing. I'm going to visit my parents when I'm up north, anyways." So yeah, she's talking about like switching like, shifts think, with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she knows the pilot. Like she's like, "Oh, and you don't want to mess." With it's better that the the pilot. Is like asleep up in the executive whatever wing because he's kind of a dick. So she definitely yeah. came off the plane. But the thing is, is you have to have a list of for a horror movie, you have to have a bunch of faceless people to get chowed down on. They're fodder. They're just random deaths that can die. And then when one of the heroes end up dying, then it's like, oh man, I can't believe Rex died. Well, right at the end of this issue, we have one of the we have Rebecca die, Rex, and the other three people. We're having the darndest time trying to think of their names. And I read this issue five hours well, ago. Was Jake's in the tower. I read this book today too, but I didn't take on anybody's names. But they just kind of gloss past them. Yeah. Like because all the characters all saying, right now. You watch a lot of horror movies. Most of the time, you don't catch everybody's oh, names. Yeah. I I've seen Zach's uh, Zach Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I don't know how many times. I couldn't tell you any of those characters' names, but I know who's who, what they look like, what it meant when yeah. they died. Ty Burrell. Uh, you know, Bing Rames. Yeah, Bing Rames. Bing Rames. You know. Ty Burrell. I know he's a yeah because he's the asshole guy. You know those characters, and they all fulfill their duty. But a lot of those movies, you don't, you're not, they're not saying each other's names. They're not like Paul, ha ha ha. What are you doing, ha ha ha? Give me your help me uh, kill the zombie, ha ha ha. Paul, Paul, give oh, me that thing. We literally do that. We literally do this in this episode. Paul, what are you reading? That's Paul, because if drinking? we didn't, we'd all just be sitting there or all try to talk at once. We've yeah, learned, we've true. done this show for th- like almost 13 years. We've learned that we need to state. Chris even said, I wasn't going to talk till somebody said my name. Like, <laughs> But you yeah. don't, when you're watching a visual medium like a comic book, you just know the guy that's built like a brick shit house, the guy that's built like a refrigerator hero. He's the hero. He's the guy giving all the directions. He's probably going to die in the beginning of the next issue. And it's going to be, it's only going to be the guy living on the tower. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be the trainee. Who's going to be the real hero of this. Like those are the cliche things that happen. Like, so you don't, you just need to know the visuals of these people. You have the cop, you have the stewardess, you have the trainee, you have the big guy, you got the guy in the wheelchair in the tower. How does he get up there? How does he get down? I don't know. Elevators? ADA, but man. Yeah, they probably haven't. Unless it was built before, like, was it 1970, 1971 when they didn't have the ADA? Yeah, but they would have, they would have had to, uh, repurpose it. Uh, anyways, it's a good book. I actually, I, I don't want this to sound like shady at all, but John, I like this a lot more than some of the other like horror themed books that you've you've brought to the table. Like the, I, I would like to read more, but I, I don't know if I ever will. Up until the last three pages, 
Because Paul thought it was going to be about snow blowing tarmacs. <laughs> yeah, I was. Dude, this was all that was so much in. It was interesting enough. Like, okay, you're going to have to do manage this, manage these people in there. There's enough story there already. You don't need to introduce. It's a hat on a hat. It's like, okay, now there's a monster on top of all that. Well, guess what? Life's shitty enough. You don't need to add. Paul just wants to know if they're making like hazard pay because it's snowing. <laughs> yeah. What are all? Uh, do you guys want to do your next? What is OSHA? Do you got? Do your what next OSHA got to say about this? I we spent a lot more talking book. about this book than I thought we were going to. I I enjoyed it, and I think it's. It's worth the discussion. I really did dig it. I drank two eleven percent one, well one eleven percent one eleven point one percent beers. So I'm good. I'm not going to have another beer. Uh, but prost, uh, Chris. We're both drinking Oktoberfest. Hey, prost. And uh, what Oktoberfest are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking one from Florida Avenue Brewing, which I don't believe I've had anything from them before. Uh, they're out of Wesley Chapel, Florida, which I'm not sure where it is. Uh, but I am drinking their Super Marzen Bros. Uh, it's a really fun can. It looks like Super Mario Brothers, like iconography all around it. But ultimately, it's just it's an okay Oktoberfest. It it has what it has. It does what it does. I don't absolutely loved it. I'm fine having picked up a six pack of this because it's. Nice, it's light, it's easy to drink. It's fine. I don't know. I wish I had more to say about it, but I don't because it's just a beer that is the style it says it is. Um, It just makes me wish that it was something along the sides of, um, like, the Dufftoberfest that I can get if I go to Universal right now because that's a marquee Oktoberfest for me. That's a beer that... I want to go get more of before they don't have it anymore for the season. Even last week we went to Deadwards Brewing and I was hoping they had their Oktoberfest on tap still, but it was gone by the time we got in there because they only brew it to get them through Oktoberfest. Well, we're in October now. Like Oktoberfest has been done for like three weeks. Like, they were out of uh, Oktoberfest has been done for uh, 24 days. <laughs> it's bonkers. Uh, but this is fine. Like, I don't dislike it. I like it. Uh, is it putting me into the Oktoberfest mood? No, but it's like a nice, light, like crisp enough beer to like finish off the podcast and keep me hydrated while we talk about, you know, a couple more comic books. Uh, this beer uh, won't make me sick. Uh, but I'm drinking from Von Trapp Brewing, uh, their Oktoberfest beer, and um, again, just like you, this is a fine Oktoberfest. You are two beers going on three beers. Von, Von Trapp. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, Paul. Uh, <laughs> 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 wasn't me this time. Uh, but just like you, it's like I've had better Oktoberfest beers, and for one of my last ones for the October month, I thought this was going to be better. I was hoping that this would be better. Very sweet malts, very caramel notes. There's nothing wrong with it, but I've had so many 
better Oktoberfest this month. Uh, I started drinking them in August, so I've had so many better ones um, in in the last you know, two and a half months that, uh, yeah, it's, it's just okay. Seems like Chris is just mocking you no, with his Super Mars. For, for me, I wanted to get like three different styles of beer because I wanted something like to break up the beers. This one is definitely a case of it's co- the branding. The branding of it was like, oh yeah, I'll get that one over the eight other Oktoberfests that are on this end cap right now. <laughs> like, it's cool, yeah. You know, like it's got a little like eight bit pretzels and kegs, later hosen, like, hosen, like a hot cone, like it's fine, yeah. But it, it makes me wish I had one of the better Oktoberfests I've had this year right now because it's already coming up to the time of year. Like if I go somewhere where I know I had it before, I'm probably not going to be able to get it because it's like, oh no, that was a seasonal beer. Like that that keg kicked. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but what book are you going to be picking up or kicking uh, out of your stack uh, this time? Chris? <laughs> I was waiting for who you were. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you could have just gone, well, we already kind of talked about your book. So, Chris, why don't you talk about Punchline, the Gotham game, part one. Uh, this is a miniseries coming out from DC Comics, written by Tinian Blake Howard, art by Gelb Melkinoff, and this is the next part of Punchline's journey through the Batman universe. Uh, we haven't seen Punchline since we read that Punchline number one that came out from Joker War, which is okay because she hasn't been around since Joker War. Uh, we find out that she- Punchline's gotten out of prison on a technicality, and she's doing what she's going to do to continue to sow chaos through Gotham City. And part of that's recruiting retired people from the Royal Flush Gang. Uh, someone else had just kind of got caught in the crossfire uh, to solicit a new drug that isn't technically legal, but it's not illegal, so everybody has access to it. And they can't stop her. Uh, it's a one-chip challenge of drugs. <laughs> it is. I've always wanted to do that because I think I'd be fine. Like, I like spicy stuff enough that I could grab that one chip and be like... Yeah, but you hated the the uh, Megadeth sauce. The, yeah, the bomb, right? Hot and it didn't taste like anything. Yeah. No, no. It, uh, we didn't have... I, I refused to buy the bomb. I bought the Blair's Megadeth which is was technically spicier than the bomb, and that's one of the things because I and think, hated it. So I'm thinking that's how you're going to feel about this. Chip I think the well, other thing you got it. me like for Christmas though, with like the hot ones pack, because oh, it has yeah. the Apollo like the last stab mm-hmm. in there, and I was able to eat that and been like, oh yeah, this is hot, but it wasn't terrible. Like, and watching hot ones, and you see people like eat it and they're like tearing up I'm like okay I got my shit together at least but that other one that we had at your place it was just hot to be hot like there wasn't anything else to go along no flavor Um, no flavor why would you do that but ultimately 
back to Punchline. I did kind of like this book. I like Punchline in the Bat Family. There's a cheese... The, the Batman villains, I There's guess. There's a cheesiness like, about this book that makes it slightly fun, but I don't care about Punchline at all. Like, every time I, she see, shows I like, up, I'm just like, who gives a I shit? I like Punch... I don't know. I, I kind of give a shit because I think now that Harley Quinn is Harley Quinn and she's not Harley Quinn anymore, I think Joker needs some character like that. And I'm, I applaud DC for kind of going outside the box and not having Harley just kind of like fall back into that. Like she has a little bit of agency. She's not just like, okay, whatever, I've grown, but Mr. J's got those eyes. Like, I'm okay with someone else kind of falling into that trap, that trope. And even though we have it, like, in the Joker, where Harley's like, no, like, I know what she's going through. Like, I gotta be the one to take her out. I think this book works for that. I think it's... It's kind of fun. I don't think I'll be picking up any more of it, but I was okay with dipping my toe back into this corner of Gotham to see how they're still handling um, Punchline. And just like the fact that you know, we're a name on Toya's police commissioner now, and like she's coming out in a press conference like, no, we need to do better, Gotham. Like, what the fuck? Like, how can someone get off like on technicalities like this? Like, pay attention, Gotham. Like, do better. Uh, I... Like this streamer kid doing his thing, mostly because he's at a punk rock show, and there's a dude there wearing what looks almost like an alkaline trio shirt <laughs> but instead of a skull's crossbones. Um, I don't know. Like this feels like one of those books that's just kind of made to play off some of the stuff that I like in the Bat Family, uh, and I think it did it well. Like I didn't expect this to have anything to do with the Royal Flush Gang, but. It's cool that they're back, I guess. I don't know, because like, I've never read anything with them. Uh, I, I, As I said before, the moment that got me was when she was like, and we are so under the radar, Batman doesn't even know we're there. And then it flashes to Batman wearing a fake scar and fake mustache as a bouncer being like, I got eyes on her. Like He's, our, he's one step mm-hmm. almost ahead of her. Uh, <clears throat> and that was my favorite part of the book. There was like a, a hokey kind of. Fun. I, I'm sorry, I'm going through it now. I just feel like the Batmobiles just parked <laughs> out back somewhere, though. I just got to that part. It's like Batmobiles just like parked behind a building. Yeah. I, Batman escapes everything dressed up as a bat. And then when uh, whoever's on the Oracle or Alfred's in his ear and he's just like, well, the police are coming. We can't have Bruce Wayne getting arrested at a punk rock show under a bridge. And it's like, I'm pretty sure he could escape with no one knowing. (laughs) Also, why is he taking his disguise off when he's walking to the Batmobile? Like, what do you take? He's already already there. There's no one around. Yeah. It's fine. He's in the clear. I just thought it was funny that he's taking off before he is out of people's sight. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Playboy 
millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the the net worth of uh, Bruce Wayne nowadays. Him being arrested at the punk rock show unsolicited would probably not damage his <clears throat> PR at this point. It would actually help. Yeah. It. It's like just further that kind of like... Oh, oh yeah, I didn't know this was point. illegal. I thought we uh, do this all the time. Yeah, it's, uh, wait, didn't my... Didn't one of my foundations pay for this? Like... Who's paying this band then? I'm so confused. Uh, Yeah, I understand the reason why they need punch. DC Comics needs punchline now, but I hate that DC. Well, here's the thing: like, and Chris said it. Like, oh, she's a great stable for Joker. Every time we read her in these books, Joker's not in the book. Or he's in there for two frames right. and then he's done. Like, she's mm-hmm. not a foil for Joker for what we've read of her. She's just, yeah. mm-hmm. she's better and smarter than everybody around her, but she's also just a kid, so she's dumb. Like, I don't get the appeal yeah. of her. Right. Well, she's the college age, like, I don't want, she's the college age woman girl that's now out there that's the new Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn is now too old. It's like I feel like it's... Well, Harley Quinn's grown too much to just continue to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you need someone that's... Immature. Yeah, I... Uh, able this, to fall the, under But this punchline... It, who's but interested this character in her punchline? She's like getting her own thing together. She's she's put together enough. Then why is she even hanging out with the Joker? Like she's yeah, this is- building a gang big enough to rival any kind of gang that Joker could put together. So I think it goes back to just you live in Gotham, like, there's gonna be those people that just have that obsession with Batman and the Batman villains, and that's something that mm-hmm. Ethan Van Skyver talked about in an interview, like, years ago. It's like, what does it mean to live in Gotham? Because there's gonna be the people that are just stuck in that city, they can't get out, but then there's gonna be the people that move there and live there, because it's like, man, I just want to see Mr. Freeze tear through a town, like, and I think she's on that latter half where I want to I want to be a witness to all this and now she gets to play in that sandbox and I think for her that's that's the draw yeah I still I, I don't know if I'll ever like Punchline but it does, it's okay because Punchline comics don't need to be for me there's plenty of back issues that I can read of old Harley Quinn and ba- and Batman. So I I cracked open another beer to finish off the podcast, uh, and this is from Clown Shoes. This is Once Upon a Time in the Far East. It's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with Vietnamese coffee. Oh, sounds uh, good. A four pack, a four pack of just like regular like twelve ounce cans was twenty five forty nine. I just I bought the one can, but. Ten point two five percent. I get why they charge that much for it. Holy cow! 
Nice. Rich, coffee-y, that bourbon. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Clown Shoes Christmas Pack is better than what we've done in the past. Ooh. But it still has a bunch of just their regular beers in it. So it's something to talk about. Because, side um, note, back, back uh, you know, behind the scenes, back uh, house. we were talking about doing another one of those variety packs uh, for Christmas, like we've done in the past. And as much as I'd hate to do it, like the Clown Shoes one, there's enough interesting beers in there that I'm like, ah, we could do it again. See, I don't mind just like those base beers being in there because it's still something that I'm not normally going to pick up and buy. And I'm okay with having it just as something yeah. to be like, hey, if you haven't listened to the show before, if you haven't heard us talk about this beer, here's this one again. Like, it's still decent. Like, we can still talk about those beers. Because uh, I don't, yeah, I love countries, but I don't need to pick yeah. it up all the time. But. Sometimes a beer can just be a thing that we talk about to get us where we're going next in the show. Yeah. And, uh, Paul, that'd be your book. Uh, Chilling Adventures of Salem from Archie Comics, and this is uh, written by one of John's favorites, Colin Bunn. Art by Dan uh, Schoeninging. Schoening. Uh, ben Galvin, Matt Herms, and Jack Morelli. Uh, this is uh, just Salem, being Salem, out on the streets, chasing a rat, and then he notices, hey, those other pets or other animals are acting weird. And he finds out that a dark wizard is tr- like trying to imbue these animals with uh, the weird powers of, I forget, Abandoned. The, aband- the demons of the Abandoned. Uh, the demon of the abandoned. And uh, Sam's like, dude, no. No. And uh, this is him taking his revenge upon this dark uh, wizard or witch. So, guys, what did he think? Uh, I thought it was a very quick read. Yeah, and when when I finished it, I went, geez, Louise, did I pay full price for like a half an issue? Because I thought, by the time I finished this, I was like, okay, what's the next story going to be? And then I look... Yeah, and it's actually more pages than both of our books, Chris. Is it really? Because it, it reads so it's quick. Thirty pages, and I do want to say like this is a thing that when you go to buy it digitally through Comicsology slash Amazon slash Kindle, it does pop up as being free if you have that unlimited, like the membership. Yeah, unlimited. And I was like, how much is it? Because at that point, I was thinking. If it's at least half the price of this book, it might be worth it to buy just so I can have access to that catalog. But then I did not do any other legwork because uh, I didn't sleep at all last night. So I called out sick from work today and I literally slept all day. So by the time I woke up, I was like, oh, I need to read comic books for the show tonight. Uh, I didn't want to do any math or any research besides reading comic books. But it's a quick read, but it's still... It's actually only 20 pages of the story. Sorry, I just went and counted. Yeah, there's a lot of it's stuff It still delivers, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun book. It looks great. 
Colin Bunn's got a, a book called Beasts of Burden. And as I was reading this, I was like, is this a weird connection to that book series? But I um, I never read it. It was one of those ones that went under the radar, and then I was like, oh, I'll pick it up here or there. But um, I don't know if it has any connection to that. But <clears throat> it was quick. It was fun. It was This was the last book I read. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go sit out on the front porch. It's It's warm out. It's raining. It's fall. It smells like dead leaves. I love every minute of it. Uh, and I sat out there, and I read it real quick, and I was like, oh, I guess i can go back inside now there's there's a moment in this where salem is like talking to all the other animals that have had like their spirits like possessed and i like the fact that all of them are like what this cat talks and he's just like yeah my spirits in this animal too like you guys should understand this like this is a thing that's happened to all of us i I kind of like that uh, as a certified cat dad. Um, I love cats. I like seeing them represented in media. (laughs) Representation matters, John. Okay? Uh, Salem's just dope. Salem's cool. And the fact that he just cons all these other, like, demon-possessed animals just into being like, no, we're okay with damnation. So at least we don't have to live as a frog or a rabbit. I like to like that because then Salem's just like, I'm gonna go. I did like the one turtle, Thanks, the guys. one turtle one. It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a fun book. It was. I, I wish this had had like another story in the back. Like that's my only. I was complaint. expecting. Like, I thought it was yeah, an anthology kind of like it'd be three stories mm-hmm. or something or two stories. I I could have had you guys read something with four stories, maybe even five. But I chose this well, one over uh Archie's Halloween Spectacular 2020 2022. I mean there's some behind the scenes stuff in the back of this which is kind of cool, but ultimately I think this is my favorite book of the month. Like, I think it's a cool story. If this had been the backup or a lead into another story in like a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina uh, I'm sorry guys, how special. much was this? Was this three ninety nine? I think was it was three ninety nine. It could have been free. I'm sorry. But I think it was three ninety nine. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I spent four ninety nine for Tim Drake Robin number two today and literally as soon as I opened up the book to flip through I sent you guys like the second panel and I was like come on like this this isn't good um this I have to say the I don't want to like shortchange the art I think the art is very good I don't it, it's hard because is the art worth three ninety nine? I think the the art's well done enough there's nothing skimped on what is there but for three ninety nine, I wish there was more. There. I have to say the person, who, the colorist. No, I don't want to. The colorist is really going to town. Like it's the colors that just yeah. work so much, and it's all like in the oranges and pinkishes. Paul, I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I'm late. Like all the colors that are doing great are colors that you have trouble with, but like the colors in this book are great. 
Yeah, it's it's a and, and the and the art fits that kind of washed out like pulpy old school like comic look. Like I think everything about this book is really good. Yeah, yeah. I, on the digital copy that I'm reading, it looks like it's on newsprint. Yeah. Like just it has a texture to the art. Yeah. And even like that cover, I, like that cover looks like it's like a, a pulp novel that you've had in your back pocket and you've been riding your bicycle around. I'll see, I think it looks like the cover I think I had on my copy, like paperback copy of Pet Cemetery. Like I think it looks something like that. <laughs> uh, I <clears throat> I have no problems having spent three ninety nine for this book. And I think that's kind of the price point we need to start our comic books at now. Like, I think we were spoiled having gotten back into comics in the age of stuff being two fifty to two two twenty five. Two ninety nine twenty five two fifty was the like two ninety nine was your like your upper, and then at that point it was still starting to creep up. And I think that's just where we're at now. And part of me not reading as many comics as I used to is because, yeah, like, comics are anywhere from four to five bucks now. And just a quick trip to the comic book store, I'm, I'm spending at least 20 bucks, and I'm buying only, like, maybe three or four titles. But that's fine, because it makes you be more selective, and the books that you, you buy, you gotta like. And hopefully they're able to... Uh, I'm vamping. Sorry, uh, it's fine. I, they they realize that like people are investing more in these, and they need to make it something that's worth investing in. Yeah, and much much like most of our months now, I did enjoy all of these books. Punchline definitely wasn't my favorite, but with how it ended, I would read number two. I wouldn't actively go read it, but if, like, I was visiting Chris in, like, two months, and he was like, oh, here's issue two, and... and I'm going to toss these issues back into the backseat as a big yeah, from the airport. Uh, I would be like, yeah, sit and read it. Like, where does it go? And if Chris said, hey, it really goes... It goes... It gets better, or it it has more kind of this kind of campy fun to it. Yeah, if it heads in the yeah. right direction. Uh, I would... <sighs> I would... Uh, I would continue reading it. Um, the Approach number two, if I remember to pick it up, maybe I'd grab it again. If I saw another one-shot Salem book... And maybe it's by another mm-hmm. author who does kind of horror. Like, yeah, let's see what his take on a, like a one-shot Salem getting up to mischief. Mike Mignol. Yeah. Uh, even Chris said, like Jeff Jeff Lemire. Um, oh, uh, what's his name who did um, oh, the macabre? Um, he did the 30 Days a Night. Steve Niles. Steve Niles. Like... Any any of those guys did a fun take on a sorcerer stuck in a cat's body having a heck of a night. Like, I think it would be fun, like, what other people could come up with. And, it, and it, So, rating, uh, 
Say, yeah, we gotta do a say, power ranking. Salem, the approach, punchline. So, Paul, Same. wait. Uh, wait. Uh, it would go Salem, my number one, easy, quick read. Thought it was a decent story. Then I would go first half of the approach, number two. <laughs> Up until the monsters, discovered. which is like the last page, uh, <laughs> the, the last and panel. Then, yeah, the last page, and then punchline number three. If the if uh, the monster never got discovered, punch or with the pun with the monster being discovered, punchline's my number two, and then the approach is my number three. Uh, for myself, I went Salem number one, and then punchline because it's a universe I already like to play in, and then I went approach mm-hmm. number three because. If this was a full-on, like, self-contained story, it probably would have been my number one. Because there's enough stuff here to keep me interested, but there's still not enough stuff to make me think, like, oh, let me look for number two when it comes out. Like, But Salem's our number one book. So, hey, listeners, if there's a new number one you want to pick up for October 2022... Go check out Chilling Adventures of Salem, number one from Archie Comics. It, it has our stamp yeah, of approval on it. If you disagree with us, email us, contact at bagnumboardcast.com. Oh, uh, and if, if, if you disagree, disagree with listening, tell to- us what we should have read. That's the thing. Let us know yes. what we missed. Yeah. And if uh, you think we missed the mark completely, rate us and review us over on any of the podcast uh subscription services that you employ to download us. If you somehow downloaded us without being subscribed, uh, give us a subscription. Like, it's free. We don't charge you anything. Maybe your podcast player makes you listen to an ad. We didn't do yeah, that. That's, we, it's not our yeah, fault. we didn't do that. <laughs> we had no say. Uh, and Beast yeah. of Burden has nothing to do with Colin Bunn. I, I said that earlier. It, it's not his book. It looks kind of cool, though. So remember to email us to correct John about that Beast of Burden thing. <laughs> yeah, looks, he didn't make it this far. So to it looks kind of cool. Does that unseat Black Sad as your trade paperback that we'll be doing for Trade Policy, which is, I think, the next episode? Uh, no, because I've already, already bought that book. And I want a reason to read it, because it looks beautiful. Paul, if you have the chance, try to buy a physical copy of Black Sad. Yeah, because it's a hardback book. It just looks gorgeous on the inside, and it's got to be better than what it looks like on your phone. 